the preface of this series is we're talking about things that are toxic, things that will actually damage your life if you continue in that. And we preach a whole lot of grace, but we don't preach a whole lot of protection. And it says in Proverbs, to, to above all else, to guard your heart. Above everything else, guard your heart. Are you with me? Because it is the wellspring of life. Everything that you do in life will come out of your heart. The way that you function, the way that you live, the bitterness reaction you have, the stress that you have, all the, all the things that come out of you are because of what's in your heart. And so the good thing is, is we can have a heart connect with heaven and heaven can solve those things. But, but we're talking about some issues that are toxic to your soul. And last week we talked about self. <laughs> because the devil's not your greatest enemy, you're your greatest enemy. And so if you weren't with us last week, we'd encourage you to get the app or go onto the website, get the podcast and listen to that. But I wanted to talk about, when I started developing this series, I, I really got a revelation that one of the most toxic things that we can do in our life is be isolated. Isolation. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to share with you a story I read a couple of days ago. It says, in May 16th, 2008, the remains of a woman were found in front of her TV. And this is in Croatia. For 42 years after she was reported missing, Hedviga Golik was born in 1924 and had apparently made herself made herself a cup of tea before sitting in her favorite armchair in front of her black and white television set. Croatian police said that she was last seen by neighbors in 1966 when she would have been 42 years old. Her neighbors thought she had moved out of her flat. However, she was found by police and bailiffs as they broke in to help the authorities establish to own the flat. When officers were there, They said it was like stepping into a place frozen in time. The cup of which she had been drinking tea from was still on the table next to the chair where she had been been sitting, and the house was full of things that no one had seen for a long time. Nothing had been disturbed for decades. For decades, for 42 years, this woman is dead sitting in front of her television. 42 years. How Does it happen that a person could be dead for 42 years and nobody know about it? How miserable would your life be if you die and nobody knew about it? Nobody was showing up to your house. Nobody was putting out reports. It was reported that she was missing, probably from a coworker. But where was her family? Where was her community in all this? Gang, this is where isolation will bring you. This all happened because this woman wasn't connected to people. Are you with me? Not, she didn't die because of that, but no one knew of her death because she was living in total isolation. And we live in an age that is making it very, very easy for us to live isolated. In fact, uh, Amazon, love Amazon. How many of y'all like Amazon? You like shop on Amazon? I love Amazon. I love shopping on Amazon. Amazon is in developing drones right now. They already have some. Drones that will actually, you won't even have to use the delivery system, but they're developing these drones that fly and can drop off packages at your house. They're actually developing it. You can actually do it now. You can go online and order groceries, and they'll be delivered to your house. But the future is going to develop these drones that can bring groceries to your house. More and more people are working at home. People are living at home. People are never leaving the house, and society is engaged for you to sit at home, be on your computer, order things, just hang out at your house, and you never have to leave the house. Now, listen, those days are great. 
Right? I loved and I love those days when I don't have to leave the house. We had one of those days yesterday. It's great. You know, you sit around your PJs. For me, it's my basketball shorts. I don't play basketball, but I have some basketball shorts for nobody else around. And so I'm sit there around my basketball shorts and my tank top, you know what I'm saying, my hair all messy. You know, if someone ring, doorbell rings, I put a hat on. Or if I go outside, if I go somewhere, I have to shower. You know what I'm saying? I don't even have to brush my teeth if I don't want to. Well, I love those days. But society is creating it where you can never, ever, ever leave your house. People are becoming more and more isolated. We're less dependent upon human interaction. Um, this I noticed this probably started happening about 20 years ago. My dad went on a uh, went on a trip with a, a bunch of my my little brother's uh, classmates, and he said they were like in a 15 passenger van, and they were on this trip on this school field trip, and all the kids had their iPod and their headphones on. Nobody was talking. And I notice this a lot. When I go out, people are wearing their headphones, either their earbuds or they got their other ones on, and nobody's interacting. There's, there's no communication. People uh, nowadays don't even go to church. They just do church online, and we, we love that. We do a live stream every week for people that are part of us or people that want to stay connected with what's going on. But, but how many know that when God, when God came up with the idea of church, he didn't have an idea where you just sit around and observe it, but something you could participate in. Um, and so rather than people treating, even, even people that go to church now, it's like we don't even communicate. We show up and we, we go to a service, then we leave. We can sneak in the back or you can go to a mega church, which I don't have a problem with mega churches. I think it's great. I think they do great for the community. But people go to a mega church, they sneak in. Um, we were out of a position about, um, what, four years ago? And uh, we were out of, out of a position in our church that we were in, just a difficult season in our life, and we decided to go to a mega church. Snuck right in, didn't talk to one person was able to sneak into church, experience worship, experience the Lord, hear a good message, and leave. Nobody knew our name, and we didn't know anybody else's. This is not the way church was created to be. I don't have a problem with mega churches. And in fact, that's part of the appeal for some people. But why is it so easy that we think that we can live life alone? Social media has taken the place of face-to-face relationships. All of a sudden, the most value that we have in our life is how many people like or respond to our status. And it's stripping. What it's doing is it's stripping our ability to communicate. So what happens, we get around people and we don't know how to deal with confrontation. We don't know how to deal with disappointment, all these things. Why? Because we're living life behind a screen, either on a phone or a thing. Listen, God created you to be with other people. If it, it, listen, if God's idea for you was for to be just you and Jesus, then that's the way it would have been. But the first thing that God ever created that wasn't good was that man was alone. God didn't create you to be alone. God created you to be with people. And so society is breaking down. So listen, community is something we have to fight for. It's going to take work for you to be in community. It's going to take up you giving up some other things to be in relationships with other believers. It's just the way it is. So I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. Get over it and just do it. You're not going to feel like it all the time. You're just going to have to make it happen. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. Sometimes it's going to be hard, but community takes work. And it's not always going to be convenient. But I've found in my life the best things are not the free things, not the easy things. The best things are things that take some effort. That take some, I know we've got a lot of sub-30 people saying amen to that this morning, but I'm telling you, you know you know, maybe it's everybody else around you, but you know that we don't want to do anything that's difficult. Time to put your big boy pants on. I had a conversation with Judah uh, two days ago. He had a meltdown. 
And I sat down with him in his room. I said, Judah, this is the deal. I'm just tired of dealing with this. Either I, we can start treating you like a big boy, like you're seven, or a little boy like you're four, because you've been acting like you're four. And so do you want me, you, you want all the responsibilities of being seven, but you aren't acting like we, we're calling this, uh, we're calling this as a premature adolescence, right? Did you know that teenager wasn't even a word that was created to like something like 30, 40 years ago, they started calling people teenagers. You were just a young adult. And so anyway, there's a story. When I think of being in isolation, think about being all alone. I think about Elijah and uh, here's a prophet. And I think that, that those that have prophetic uh, yearnings, prophetic instincts. I think that it's a little bit more common for us to feel isolated, uh, to want to be isolated. Um, it's kind of like we got the corner on hearing from God. I believe that you are a prophetic people. I believe if you're part of this church, you're a prophetic people. I believe we're a prophetic church. Um, some of the things that you're experiencing here is because we're prophetic, because we're well connected with heaven. And I believe you're a prophetic people. The tendency for prophetic people is to kind of fly solo. For some reason. I don't know why, but it's just the way it is. So 1 Kings chapter 19, it says this about Elijah. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. You guys have heard Elijah on Carmel, right? He calls down fire from heaven. It burns up the, the sacrifice. They kill all the prophets of Baal. I mean, he has this, like, amazing thing. One of the most epic stories in the Old Testament we see. And he, he is, like, jamming. Well, then the news comes to him that Jezebel is going to try to kill him like she killed a bunch of the other prophets, now, it says this in 1 Kings chapter 19, he was afraid. He heard the news about Jezebel. He is afraid and fled or ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left. Listen, this is very important. He left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. How many of you know that he got away from people? Then it says this, he sat under a solitary broom tree. It wasn't just a broom tree. Even the broom tree was isolated. (laughs) Misery loves company. All alone. Oh, you're all alone, tree. And this is what it says. And prayed that he might die. Have you ever had those moments in your life? You've never had a moment you'd be like... Just take me, Jesus. I'm just so done with this. Lord, would somebody kill me today? Here he's running from his life, and then he's saying, it would be better if I die. But he didn't want to die by the hands of Jezebel. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under a broom tree. Now, that's what depressed people do, right? They just sleep. Man, if I can just go to sleep and escape reality. The, the things I wanted to share with you this morning is this. Listen, he left his servants. Now, these were the people that hung out with him all the time, that he spent time with all the time, and he left them there. So there was no one there to encourage him when he started feeling like dying. Are you with me? And so many times we, when we start going through a difficult season, we separate ourselves from the only ones that can help. Well, it's just me and Jesus. He didn't create it. Listen, Jesus isn't enough. We sing it all the time. You're enough. You're enough. Listen, you know, Jesus is enough in this sense that he provides community for you. But will you do what he has provided? 
God, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to feel like this. God sends people your way for you to be in community with. And what do you say? No. He left his servants. They were right there. It was available for him. The community was there for him to be in. And he went alone. The first thing about isolation is isolation disables us. It disables us. The story begins, afraid and ran from his life. Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. It is foolish for you to isolate yourself. At Carmel, the biggest victory of his life, he did it alone. He did it alone. So you know what happened when it was time to party after the great victory? He had no one to celebrate with. Did you know it doesn't matter? A party, you can't have a party by yourself. I mean, you can call it a party, but it's not a party. <laughs> hey, I was going to have a party. Well, yeah, pity party. You can have a pity party by yourself. That's right. Good words, Spencer. <laughs> a, har- a, a Carmel, he was alone. But he didn't have anybody to encourage him after it had happened. Listen, sometimes the greatest tests aren't just your, your, your failures, but also your successes. No matter how good we win, if we don't have anybody to celebrate with, the victory is impaired. And let me tell you this this morning. The smaller your world becomes, the more self-centered you will become. All of a sudden, his prayers wasn't for God and do these things. He was like, just that I might die. The smaller your world becomes, smaller your impact, smaller the the seemingliness of your purpose, your purpose will seem small. If I can just make it through today versus win the nations, that will all go away if it's just you. You'll fall into sin. You'll fall into immorality because there's no accountability. Great men, some of the greatest men of God that have, that have ever walked the planet have fallen into immorality because they didn't have somebody in their life. So, it disables you. It disables you from wisdom. It disables you from having a, a celebration spirit. Number two, it discourages us. Isolation is discouraging. How many know that when God spoke to him, he's like, I've got all these prophets. You're not the only prophet. Right. And here he was, I'm the only one. If you just read a story, it's just me. God is like, I've got a bunch of other prophets, and you're sitting here whining. What are you whining about? You're not the only one. You see how self-centered that is. Take my life. Listen, there is no problem with getting discouraged. There is a problem with living there. And the only way you're going to get over your discouragement is to get around somebody who can encourage you, that can speak life to you. Our tendency is when we get hurt, when we get wounded, to get discouraged, is to isolate ourselves. I don't understand why. I think it's a trick of the devil to tell, you just need to be by yourself. You're discouraged. You need to go be by yourself. That's a bunch of garbage. Listen, if you want to be encouraged, you need to get around encouraging people. Now, not just flattery people. Oh. You don't, flattery ain't going to help you. Oh, you just, you're, you're not. That wasn't a stupid choice. You were just doing what was on your heart. Well, that's where you messed up. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid, but hey, God still loves you. Right. I still love you. We're in this together. We're going to get through it. 
God didn't call you to it. He called you through it. All the stuff that you already know, you need to hear. Sometimes the greatest thing that we need to hear is the thing that we already know. I've spent more of my life as a minister not coming up uh, with, with great revelation for somebody's situation. It's just like, well, you know this. I'll tell them all the time. Well, you know this. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the stupidest thing you can do is just say, I know all the time. Because apparently you don't know. I mean, you know it here, but you don't know it here. And so my, my difficulty most of my life the last 20 years have been devoted to ministering to people uh, that, are, that were under 20. And for some reason, they don't grow up till they're about 30. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can still come back next week. I still love you. But listen, one of the, 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 the bad word is, is I know. I know. I call it the 18 agenda. I know. God doesn't want you to be alone. I know. Nobody wants to be around an I know it all person. All right. But it's, 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 it's lonely there. It discourages us. Get around some people. Um, so we know that. It disables us. It discourages us. Number three, it distances us or disconnects us or distances, whatever word you want to use, from kingdom life. Um, a number of years ago, I was a part of this youth ministers network where uh, ministering in El Paso uh, called Unify. And it was a, a group of youth pastors that got together every month, and I was like on the board for this thing. So I had two meetings a month that I went to. And I was in it for years, and I was in it about my fifth year, about halfway through. I was just driving to one of the meetings, and I, I didn't want to go to the meeting. It was taking up time. It was taking like two or three hours out of my Thursday, and uh, twice a month. I mean, that's like six hours a month. And some of you don't think that's very much, but when you're doing full-time ministry, that doesn't mean sitting in your office and playing golf all the time. It's, it's actually one of the hardest jobs on the planet. And so here I am on Thursdays spending all this time going to this network, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, I really need to get out of this network. Like, this is just a waste of time. I don't get anything from it. I don't feel encouraged. I don't like, uh, you know, necessarily the youth pastors there. All of their, they're like all these, like, real conservative guys. And I'm like the charismatic guy. I have been already for years. I'm like, I just go to these meetings, and we just, we talk about it. And it's just like, I was just complaining to the Lord. I was like, I'm just not getting anything out of it, Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, what do you think, why do you think it's about you? I don't have you there for you, Josh. And I was like, okay. Can I tell you that that changed? All of a sudden, in that moment, I said, you know what? I'm not going to receive. I'm going to give. God has me there not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of others. And can I tell you that my whole mentality shifted of going there, and I ended up loving going there, ended up loving being a part. My heart was all in it from that point forward. Why? Because a, flip, a, a switch was flipped in my mind thinking, I'm not here for me. It's not about you. Can I tell you that most of the situations and circumstances can be solved by this mentality? It's not about you. Maybe you need to go back and listen to, to last week. Sometimes God has you in relationship with somebody, not for you, but for them. Soka. This is what it says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly. Without wavering to the hope we affirm. Yes! For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us. Now listen, he's not talking about salad. (laughs) 
You get that? I know, I know. He's not talking about salad. Let us. He's saying, hey, we are in this thing together. I knew it would take twice for some of you. How many of you know that he's not just preaching at people? He's like, we're in community. Let us do these things. We're together on this. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Now, we've always used this for church, which is a great scripture for being faithful to church. But it's, it says don't neglect. That means that seize the opportunity. See, when I got saved, I, can, I, I, I attribute a lot of my success by getting saved is that I was in church three times a week. Some of you are like, you have a hard time doing it once. And it's because you're so distracted on everything else. And we're not going to start doing that. Heck no, we're not going to start meeting three times a week. But we're going to meet a couple of times a week because we know that we need, uh, we started a community group in our house, uh, you know, about two months ago. And I told Leslie, I said, I'm not really doing it for everybody else. I'm also doing it for me because I need community with people. I need to hang out. I need to just sit around and eat and pray, have people pray for me. We all need community. So he says, don't neglect our meeting together as some people do. One scripture, one translation says, as some are in the habit of doing. Don't get in the habit of missing church or missing fellowship with other believers. And don't think that because you have family that live in your house that are believers that that's fellowship. That's still very inward. I've had people say that before. Well, my whole family is Christian. I'm like, really? I mean, you're going to go there with that? <laughs> we have fellowship every day with one another. Sure you do. You're so isolated. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So when we isolate ourselves, it discon- there's so much scripture about let us. Let's do these things. All of you, the brotherhood, all this scripture talk about. When it talks about, you know, um, when he says pray in Ephesians, where he says that you may be filled, it's all in the context of community. Jesus, when he said pray... He said, our father, not my father. It's great for you to have devotionals. You need to have that. It's absolutely necessary for you to pray, my father is in heaven. But it's also just as equally absolutely necessary for you to have our father prayers, community prayer with other believers. Now, you need to have that in your house with your own family. You need to get together and you need to pray those community prayers. We do it every night. But also, we need to have it in the community of other believers. We're not just hanging out. We're encouraging one another. So four lies concerning isolation. Number one, solitude and isolation are synonymous. Isolation and solitude aren't the same thing. You need solitude. Men, especially us, we need solitude. We need a day every once in a while to get alone by ourselves with nobody else around. Amen. Are you with me? So men, we really need this. But you don't need isolation. Isolation means you're disconnected. You need solitude. Those are two different things. Well, I need some solitude in my life. Yes, you do, but you don't need isolation. Number two, just because you show up means you're not isolated. Just because you show up at the meeting, show up at the prayer gathering, show up at uh, the flood, or show up at, on Wednesday nights to, to go out to the love project, just because you show up doesn't mean you're connected because you can show up and not be there. It's called being present. If you're on your phone, I'm preaching to Josh Brown right now. If you're on the phone the whole time, you're not really connecting. I should probably throw mine away. 
little idols in our hand. Right? That's me, huh? I'm just telling you. Be present. Moms, dads, get around the dinner table with your kids. Have some conversation. Put your phones away. We do a thing every, every day. Because, listen, you can have isolation inside the context of your family. But we, we do this thing every day. We're like, okay, what's your favorite part of the day? We don't do it just because we want to rejoice and party. We do it because I want to get my kids talking. I don't want them to be isolated when they're in the house. I want them to be present. Number three, third lie concerning isolation. I'm introvert. I'm an introvert meaning I don't get energy from people. That is a lie from the devil. You get energy from people. Everybody may not be driven by people, but you need people. If that was not the case, then God wouldn't have put you in community. God, wouldn't have, God would have created a world just for you. So don't give me, you might be an introvert. I don't understand you. I don't get it. But just because you're introvert doesn't mean that you don't need community. You might need community more because you're just going to dismiss everything on your carnality, and this is the way I am, which is a bunch of garbage. Again, you listen to last week's message. Um, it, it, listen, it's not good that you be alone, okay? You function best. You function better in the context of community. That's why God brought you here because you're better with other believers. All right. I've also heard this in the context of that is I don't connect well with Christians. Yeah, I've heard believers say that. Oh, I just don't really connect well with Christians. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. I'm like, oh, yeah, just like you. I'd rather go, by the way, I'd rather go to heaven with a few hypocrites and go to hell with all of them. And so everybody's a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. Let's just get over it. Right? Quit making excuses. Start making arrangements. Um, I've heard, I've heard a lot of believers say this, or they don't connect with other Christians. Second Corinthians 6.15 says, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You may like the same coffee, and you can connect on those great levels with unbelievers, but you have nothing in common. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners all the time. No, Jesus hung out with his disciples all the time. He hung out with his sinners sometimes. And when he hung out with the sinners, he had an agenda. Hate to break it to you, Jesus had an agenda. And it wasn't to leave them sinners. It wasn't so they can just keep on sinning. In fact, his encounters with sinners, he's like, quit sinning. That's not the kind of encouragement you want. We shouldn't call them sinners. Well, call them whatever you want to call them. They're not of the brotherhood. They're not of the faith. You need to have relationships with lost people. Absolutely. My heart breaks when I see lost people. I'm always praying, God, help me connect. Help me connect with lost people. Help me connect with lost people. But the core values we do not share. I don't live life with lost people. That would be foolish. Because we don't have anything in common, really. Um. God isn't a priority in your life. He's the priority. He's the priority in everything, in your relationships, in your job. Jesus is the priority. It's not Jesus first, family second, job third, church fourth. I've got my priorities straight. No, you don't. God. Everything else kind of goes around this circle 
of the kingship of Jesus. So the way I lead my family, the way I lead my wife, the way I lead my community with my job, you guys need to have that. The way that you study when you're studying for a test, Jesus is king. You better do it right. You better put some effort in. Come on. Everything you do as under the Lord, it fixes everything. Okay. So take him off the list. He is the list. <laughs> All right. Everything else just kind of, whoa, okay. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better student. You'll be a better friend if you just would do that. All right. So Jesus had an agenda. All right. So you should have friends with lost people. I hope you do. But I hope you're not doing it for the, for the agenda of being entertained or for the, in, in, the agenda to bring them into the kingdom. This is why we have relationships with the lost. This is the reason why Jesus had relationships with lost people because he wanted them in the kingdom. He had an agenda. In fact, his heart broke when he saw them because they were sheep without shepherds. Now, if you're lost this morning, we love you. We want to bring you along. We want to have fellowship with you, but there's some things that need to get straightened up in your life, and God does that by the goodness of God. We're not being angry when we say that. We're just saying, I'm sorry. Jesus is first in my life. Jesus is, is my life. Okay? All right. I, I remember as, so those are four lies. I, I remember, you know, I think this is just the tendency of young leaders, young believers. Man, when I was young in ministry, I was just like, dude, gung-ho. I didn't need anybody. I could do everything. You could ask people. You could ask Leslie. You could ask Eli, who knew me that time, Cindy and Spencer knew me back then. I was just like so driven. I didn't need anybody else. I was going to do it. You know, when people say you can't do everything, I was out to prove them wrong. Sometimes I still feel like I'm like that, and it's a weakness that I have in my life that I'm working on. And still, you know, 20 years later, and I was just like, I was very isolated in my walk with the Lord. I mean, I had my ministry, the thing that I did for Jesus, and I had my time with the Lord, but, but I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any outlet. All I was was ministry, what God has called me to do, and Jesus, just me and Jesus. And it took me going through the most difficult season in my life for me to recognize how important community is. It was hard and I had to do it for a long time alone. And I went home to a big, empty, lonely house every night. And I was finding myself discouraged. Not because of what was going on, but because I didn't have anybody to do life with. And then God brought some friends into my life. I'm not even really friends with them anymore, but for a season, we ran together for about nine months, I think, and God just brought these. We went skiing together. We went to the movies together. We hung out together. We prayed with one another. They were kingdom people. God brought kingdom people into my life. Come on, people that can encourage me, and people. we all kind of had some similar seasons that we were all transitioning through, and so God will bring that community, but you've got to say yes to it. Um, as a family, we, Leslie and I, um, went through a very difficult season in our life uh, about five years ago, and we were having some difficulties in our marriage. We were having some difficulties with our kids, some frustrations. All these things were going on, and it all stemmed down to one thing. We didn't have anybody in our life. We didn't have anybody. All that we had, the only people that were in our life were the, were the people that God had called us to to lead, but we didn't have anybody, any friends we didn't have anybody that could just come over that we could pray with, that we could talk about the struggles that we were having and the difficulty. We were. It was just us. Remember, babe? 
And it was hard, man. So when the, when the, when the, when the trials came and when we lost our job, all this kind of garbage is going, we didn't have anybody. We had family, but it's, it's just it's something different. When you, have, when you have other believers that are believing like you, that are, that are with you, we, we had family we could be around, but we didn't have any friends. And it was, it, it, it was destroying us. So God moved us and put us in a great church in Amarillo for a season for a couple of years. And it was there that, we, that, we, that I rediscovered. I had to be taught the, the lesson twice, which is stupid, um, because I learned it as an individual, but I didn't learn it as a family. Are you with me? If it's just you and your family all the time, that's not community. Learn this right now before you, so many of you single folks, before you get into one. You need families that you connect with. And so that's part of our vision here. And uh, so we moved to Amarillo, and it was a very healthy church. And they had, like, groups and families and, and ministries that we can be involved in. And the first thing that I said when we moved out there, I said, I don't want to get into something that's going to require time of me. And it was one of these groups. I'm too busy. I got stuff going on. And we decided to go, and we got so much out of it. We got so much out of it. And it wasn't any teaching. It wasn't any, they had teaching, but it wasn't the teaching. It was the relationships. And God provided for us in the, that season best friends, best friends for our kid, people that had the same core values that we had as a family. So it's very important that you develop community in your life. So if the toxic issue is isolation, here's the antidote. You ready? Right. Three must in being relationally compatible. Some of you are don't have any relational intelligence. You walk in the room like this. Me, 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 Look at what I've done this week. Look who I am. Look what I got. That's not good relational intelligence. You need to shut your mouth every once in a while. Some of you are like, amen. I don't know some people like that. Well, are you going to love the people like that? That's the big question. Okay. So three, they need you. They need they're just awkward. Well, then help them to not be awkward. They need friends because they ran all the other ones off. Will you be the one that is going to be friends with them? I'm, I'm being real here. This is a conviction Leslie and I have. You know, we're like, we're going to love everyone God sends us and puts in our life. We're going to love them. Some people are hard to love. We call that EGR people or is EGR, extra grace required, right? <laughs> Okay, so the first thing you've got to do, listen, if you're going to be in community, these are three things that absolutely, the authentic, real community, these are requirements. Number one, you've got to be invested. You've got to be invested. You've got to contribute to the relationship. You've got to be present. If you're just a taker and not a giver, nobody's going to want to be in community with you. If you are draining, complaining all the time, complaining is draining. Complainers are drainers. If you're complaining all the time, if you're talking about yourself all the time, people are not going to want to be in community with you. This is the mentality. If my relationships don't benefit me the way I think I need them to, then I will cut them off. How many of y'all see those posts on Facebook all the time? Well, if you don't like this, I'm going to delete you. <laughs> First of all, that's immature. Grow up. Stop being such a baby. You're old enough to have a Facebook. <laughs> Don't you have to be like a certain age to have a Facebook? Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. I want to cuss right now. <laughs> but I won't. Because Cindy and Spencer are here. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I don't always cuss. <laughs> 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 
Grow up. Relationships are not about you. But it is. The relationships you will benefit the most from are the ones that you're most invested in. Listen, reaping and sowing is universal. You have to give to receive. You have to give to receive. If you don't give, you don't receive. It's just heaven's economic. And that's emotions, it's money, it's everything. Meaningful relationships, listen, meaningful relationships will take work. They will take work. If they don't take work, it's probably because they're not that meaningful. If you don't, listen, and we've said this before, if you don't take the time to build relationships when you don't need them, they won't be there when you do. Well, I don't have, how did this woman die? I don't know how she died, but I know she did and nobody cared. How sad. Nobody said anything good about her in the newspaper. She didn't impact anybody. It's terrible. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe she was great. Maybe she was just so bitter that nobody wanted to be around her. Maybe she wasn't invested in the relationships that presented. I don't know. But I do know that meaningful relationships take work. And they're not always easy. Let me just tell you this. It's the tension in relationships that build the bond. Iron, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so man, one man sharpens another. It's the tension that builds the bond. So it's not always, I just don't connect with them. Well, maybe you need to try. Maybe you need to be invested. And if they're not worth investing in, then they're probably not worth having. And if you're going to give up and move on to the next friend, then you weren't a real friend. Grow up. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those that rejoice. And weep with those that weep. I, I, this is one of the core, core, core values of all relationships. Learning how to party and, and be excited for people whenever they're going through a good season, even though you're going through a difficult one, and you go, man, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you. Because what the tendency is, is it's not going good for me, so I am, I'm, I'm weeping with those that rejoice. I'm weeping for myself. And I can't rejoice in you. Why? Because you're selfish and you need to grow up. If you can't rejoice in others, it's because you are self-centered. Learn it. And if it's a struggle, we'll talk about that. You know, I really want to be happy for you, but I can't. It's because I'm going through this. You've just started community. It's the tension that builds the bond. Listen, and weep with those that weep, man. I've experienced this. I remember my senior pastor, who I had a great relationship with for a number of years, had lost a grandson and come and, and sat in the office and started talking about how his grandson had died, and, and he, was just, he was just weeping. And I remember at that moment just weeping with him, and I thought, how am I so moved by this? And God spoke this to me. It's like, because you really love him. You don't just go, oh, that's sad. I'll be praying for you. No, I wept with him because I love him. And we've got to learn to be good weepers, and we've got to be good rejoicers. Come on. We weep with them. We weep through it. Weep through it. We don't live there. We weep with them. We're heartfelt in it. So we've got to be invested. Number two, we've got to be real. We've got to be real. The word hypocrite comes from a word that they used during biblical times for people that were in plays that wore masks. 
So the word hypocrite means that someone who is act, putting on an act with a mask. And so many times in our relationships, we want people to think highly of us rather than being real. So we put on a mask. I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm acting like you want me to act. And your relationship's skin deep. It's mask deep, actually. So they ask us, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. Bless the Lord. Blessed and highly favored. Listen, you need to say those things. And listen, you're not being your true self if you're a believer and you're not being authentically Christian. But it's one thing to say, man, I'm just really, I know that God's a good provider, but man, I'm just having a hard time believing that right now. And that's about transparency, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Listen, being real doesn't mean that you just be true to yourself. It's the stupidest. You lost yourself. We talked about that last week, right? Your life is hidden in Christ. So it's not about being true to yourself, but it is about being real. It's not about putting on a face. You know, you show up at church, and you're like, I'm like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. It's really hard for me not to be real. People are like, Josh is real happy today. <laughs> Stay away from him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have this issue. Um, I just, it just sees what you get normally. Uh, I don't really boast of that. Sometimes I wish I could wear a mask a little better. Listen, lies are destructive. When someone asks you, you've got to be real about it. We're going to talk about deception in the series. We'll get into that. Dude, deception is very toxic. Um, th- this is the deal with being real, is you have weaknesses, and everybody around you knows what those weak- weaknesses are. They already know, right? People already know. People that, if you're in community, they already know your weaknesses, so don't pretend like you don't have them. <laughs> you don't know that I'm a, such a screw-up. <laughs> Look at me. I'm, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And you're going, dude, you can't kid a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you, don't, you don't lie very well. <laughs> Now, listen, being real doesn't mean that you put it on Facebook and be like, oh, my day sucks. Everybody cater to me. No, no, no. Being real means you go to somebody, listen. It doesn't help you to put it on Facebook. It doesn't help you to be a complainer. We we always say this. They don't enter the room mouth first. Some people enter the room discouraged first. (laughs) Everybody, misery first. Hey, I'm miserable, everybody. Look at me. I'm miserable. Listen, if you're miserable, that's okay. Let's work on it. Let's get through it together. But don't try to, don't give me the cover-up story like I'm not miserable. We know you're miserable. We're just waiting for you to admit it, be real about it so we can be in real relationships. And encourage you. But until you're humble enough to be like, dang, I need people. So I need to be real. All right, I need to hurry. Number three, be transparent. Now, there's a difference between being real and being transparent. You can be real without being 100% transparent. And uh, hold on with me. But you can only be transparent with those who, who, who you are real with. And so, other words, I go out and I sin this week. Okay? Or I'm bitter about something. I'm bitter at a person. I'm mad at a person. They hurt me. So I'm mad. Because when you're in relationships, you get hurt. It's just the way it is. But they're always worth it. So, I'm mad because someone hurt me. So I don't put it on Facebook. I'm so mad at this person. That's not the transparency that you need to have. The transparency you need to have is either go to that person, which is biblically what you're supposed to do, 
But if you're not there yet, then you talk to somebody that will encourage you in doing what's right. And so you need to have a person that you're 100% transparent with. If you went and got stoned last night, you probably don't need to put that on Facebook. It's probably going to blow your Christian testimony. But you probably do need to tell somebody. In fact, you absolutely need to tell somebody. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other. Well, I got it before the Lord. I don't need to tell anybody. It's a lie. You do need to tell somebody. You don't need to go to a priest, but you need to go to somebody. Confess the right person. That's right. Confess your sins to each other and pray for others so that you may be healed. So what happens is you don't have any accountability. And so what happens is you end up in this pattern of sin. Nobody knows about it, so you're hiding. You're not being real. You're not being transparent. And you're just going through this difficult season, and you're trapped in sin. We were watching this uh, thing last night about these people. Leslie watches these stupid shows, and I just get drawn in. I'm like, it's all these guys in prison, right? And so this guy's like, the best thing that ever happened to me is I got caught. He said, because now everybody knows about it. We got those deep things in our heart that nobody knows about, and we can't get over it. We can't get healed. So what is James saying here? He's like, confess your sins to one to another. Don't try to act like you got it all figured out. They know you don't anyway. But get with somebody and tell them, man, I'm battling this. I'm struggling with this. You can't, you can't be transparent with everybody, but you need to have the right person you're transparent with. There's foolishness in revealing all to everyone. That's why it says in Proverbs 29, 11, that the fool speaks his whole mind. But confess your sins to one to another. There needs to be somebody's, your hurts, your doubts, your weaknesses, your struggles, your disbelief. How are you hashing it out? If it don't help to put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it's, oh, that sucks so bad. Look how miserable. Chick selfie. <laughs> we know you're miserable. Let us help you. Listen, when we're talking to people, we're not complaining or gossiping, but we're getting through the struggle. And the struggle is real. <laughs> Somebody come play? The struggle is real. Right? I actually have it hashtag right here. The struggle is <laughs> The struggle is real, guys. It for real is. Come on, how many of you know? Like your hurts, your doubts, your frustrations. We're not saying those things aren't legit. We're just saying how effective are you being in communicating that with people that can help you? And this only happens in the context of community. And it takes vulnerability. It's hard. But I can tell you that the, I can tell you that some of the most liberating moments in my life is when my sins have been found out. When I could just tell somebody, I screwed up, man. It's the healing that comes from that. God created us to be with one another. You don't want to go, listen, if you're witnessing to your friend at work and you 
they're lost. You're trying to win them to Jesus, which, you, listen, every lost person in your life, you need to be trying to win them to Jesus. But you don't want to go to them like, you know, I went hooked up with a prostitute last night, right? You don't probably don't want to tell them that. <laughs> it's probably not going to be real good for the kingdom. Probably not going to be real good for Jesus. But you need to find somebody you could tell you did that with. But you've got to be vulnerable. It's so hard.